Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Hey, playwrights. Welcome to Hey, Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. We went on an adventure. We sure did. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Seattle. Now, I've been there before. How how did you receive Seattle? <laughs> I I received it well. I I felt like it had a really I've been saying this to people. I've been talking about um Seattle having really good energy. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was just it's a place that I would want to bring my family to. I think I would want to stay at the place where we stayed because that place was amazing and wonderfully located. Tori, where do we stay? Oh, my goodness. We stayed at the Hyatt house right outside of our window. And I am not exaggerating. Directly outside of our window was the Space Needle. (laughs) One of the things that I thought was super awesome was the Museum of Pop Culture, which if you're a pop culture lover like us, that is your jam. We spent several, several hours in that museum and just to look at all of the cool stuff that they had there, movies and music, and they had this really trippy Nirvana exhibit, which I don't know about you, Tori, but Nirvana was such an important band in my musical development. Super random and probably won't make it in the thing, but I was thinking about a writing prompt based on the Nirvana exhibit because there was um, a guitar. Actually, there were a few guitars there were several guitars um but there was i remember seeing one broken guitar um and i was thinking about a what would it what would a, a play look like or a conversation between the broken guitar and the broken kurt <laughs> oh you know like yeah. what is what is what is that about or i don't know about kurt cobain but just like it just I think about the life of the guitar and the guitars because he ruined several guitars, right? Mm -hmm. That was the thing Mm -hmm. is breaking guitars and like, what is, what's, what does that look like? Or just before the guitar knows what's coming. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I don't know. It just made me sad. Oh my goodness. There, there's so much going on in terms of theater and online offerings, in-person offerings, which I'm so grateful for, um, including a former guest friend of the podcast um christopher diaz things with friends this audio play which oh my goodness it was um it was offered through playwright center yeah and it was amazing so is this the second play they've done in that series? Because Gina Femias was in it yes. as well, right? The Ruth Easton yes. series. I think there's one more coming up. Yes. Yes. But and- can we talk about how stressful? Oh, my gosh. Yes. I was so like. On the edge of my. I hope that they release it again because um, you and I talked about it early on. We had both just started listening and the stage directions are yes. Oh my gosh! It's I, as a matter of fact. As I was listening to it, I thought, well, for an audio play, you do need to have somebody reading stage directions, right? Mm-hmm. But I thought, wow. Even if I saw this on stage, I kind of wanted to have that narrator. Yeah, <laughs> because. Chris's, I, I could hear Chris's voice, you know, yes, in yes. that narrator. And it was so fascinating. And uh, like, I leaned in every yes. time. Oh, and by the way, that actress. Yes. Wow. So we talked about <laughs> Chris, our other Chris Jen. See what I did there? Segway yes. into, into the Chris, the Chris's, Christopher and Christian. Um, so let's was, talk about the uh, the big show, Monsters of the American Cinema. Wow. It was just, it was so great to meet Christian in person and everyone over there at Arts West. What a nice group of people. They gave us little takeaway gifts of, um, because Popcorn it's cookie. called, yeah, because it's called Monsters of the American Cinema. It was like in a little popcorn thing with um candy and it was just was so good and 
Oh my goodness. The set. Yeah. And, uh, so the set was in the round. So the audience was all the way around the set. And I just, I love that. I love that. I remember hearing, I think it was Sam Woodhouse here in San Diego when he was talking to the actors. He was directing um, Rapture, Blister Burn, and it was in the round. And I remember him telling one of the actors, it seems weird at first if you haven't done it, but then you're going to love it because you're playing to everyone simultaneously. You know, you're not, it's just (laughs) so cool. Uh, Just beautiful. It it was a beautiful production. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally worth it. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad we were able to to go. And yeah, it was just a nice time. Nice getaway, Tori. We had fun. It was good. I like traveling with you. You're a good travel buddy. The only thing that I found super challenging, because when we go on these trips, I'm I'm the designated driver, (laughs) (laughs) was trying to navigate around because there's a lot of road construction and they're doing construction on the bridges. So a trip from our hotel to the theater to Arts West that would normally take 10 minutes, I guess, took like 40 minutes. <laughs> and the trip back from oh. the theater to our hotel took like an hour because we kept well, we kept you know, missing. We kept missing the turn. It's like the third the joke was the third time's the charm. And it was. It was. On that but- on that third pass, we finally found it was very confusing that they they Seattle does not believe in a lot of street lighting. <laughs> It was a little, it was a little scary. And I was like, oh my gosh, are we going to, are we, remember that one turn? We were making a, a left turn and it was, it was like, are we going, oncoming, yeah, are we going to oncoming traffic? We're like, Literally, I think I was, cl- I was clutching the wheel, the steering wheel so hard. I'm like, okay, this might be it. I was just grateful that I wasn't driving so that <laughs> I would not be responsible for killing someone well, thank you for wife, giving me that. Thank a wife you. and mother. I was like, I'd rather Tori be the I'd killer. Rather I I kill be, yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't I don't think I can handle uh, that guilt. <laughs> but yes. So funny. But That's, yes. But we survived yeah. and, and, and but we you know. survived. So, you know, relationships are really important, right? We talk about that uh relationships in in theater, and that is gonna tie into our next guest, but um, just by chance, you know, I subscribe to this guy, Seth Landau, and he's a, a director and actor and uh, a teacher as well, a teaching artist, which is which is cool. Um, but he is somebody that I was connected with after I graduated from ASU. I would get the alumni emails. And when I was living in Los Angeles, this alumni email came through and said, hey, um, hey, everybody, you know, uh, Arizona State University alum, uh, uh, Seth Landau is having a showing of this movie that he made called APU. And so I sent a note and said, yeah, I'd like to go. I showed up. Um, I connected with him. He got me tickets and it was on like one of the lots in, in LA, which is always fun when you get to do that. I went and saw the movie. I met him in person and I remember him saying something to me like, you know, people say they're going to do things and they don't. So I really appreciate you showing up. So that relationship and, and it was just, it was fun. It was just a fun movie. I think I think that somebody I knew from college was in it too. So it was like a double like, hey, this is cool. But because I showed up and made this connection and uh, uh, didn't seem, you know, crazy, I guess. He he cast me in his next project where I actually do play. I was going to say, Tori. Pretty unhinged. No, 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 no. The next project was called Takeout. Okay. And I play this woman, Jody Miller. And in I think I'm in the opening scene of the movie where I have tied myself to a tree that's going to be cut down. And I am spewing a bunch of profanity at a police officer. So anyway, that and then as a result of that, he cast me in his next film, which is um, called Brian Loves You. That's Brian with a Y. And 
But that was a cool experience. And there are some some appearances by some pretty famous actors. George Wendt is in it. Tony Todd is in it. It's, It's a cult horror movie. But the reason I'm bringing these up is because this week he re-released those movies on high def. You can I I don't want to give away too much. I I think I I think I expire pretty quickly in <laughs> <laughs> But I was like thinking back to your story when you were like, oh, you know, I didn't seem crazy. <laughs> I was like, maybe <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we, we should rethink that given the roles. But we're gonna put we're gonna put a link on the website um where this is available because people can yeah. purchase this online. Yeah, yeah, okay. they can watch it online. But and... you gotta see you gotta see like the Tory clips because she definitely is a sight to behold. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was no, fun. The, it's the really makeup cool. on that one was really, it's, it's really it's, fun. Yeah, it's yeah. uh and I I saw the trailer for the movie. It's actually it looks really it it's interesting. I would watch it. It looks not just because you're in it, but there is a there's definitely like a, a major creep factor. I think it's it looks really cool. So so I yeah. would I I would I'm I will check it out, Tori, because yeah, Seth, because Brian did- loves you. Brian, Brian loves, you. loves you. Relationships, you know, um, that leads into the conversations that we had for this episode and really excited for everyone to hear from these two women yes. who are, are connected with Moxie Theater, well, in a huge way. This episode is a two for one. We are going to be speaking with the artistic director of Moxie Theater, Jennifer Eve Thorne. And we will also be speaking to Vanessa Luron, who is the director and an actor in their current production, Sapiens, by Diana Bourbano, who we interviewed in a previous season when she came on the show to talk about fabulous monsters. So we're so excited to talk about this work, this theater, and these theater makers. So on to the show. I am so excited to welcome our guest. She is the Executive Artistic Director of Moxie Theater here in San Diego. Hello, Jennifer Eve Thorne. Welcome to A Playwright. (laughs) I'm excited to be here with you. Yes. So we wanted to start off um, just having you talk about what Moxie Theater is, because we're here in San Diego. We know and love Moxie Theater. It's one of my favorite subjects. Yeah. Moxie, I founded Moxie Theater with three other women, uh, Delicia Turner-Sonnenberg, Joanne Glover, and Leif Kelgren in 2004 here in San Diego. We kept finding ourselves uh, cast in or, uh, you know, working on projects together in San Diego and realized that we, the four of us artists, had a really common... um, uh, a shared sense of appreciation for big imaginative storytelling. And we, we also were sort of tired of, of, you know, being waiting for when other people could tell us when we could work and what we could work on. And so we spent a year planning on opening this company together, Moxie, and we wanted to focus from the beginning on producing plays written by women. When we were founded in 2004, only 16% of all the plays being produced professionally on on American stages were written by women. Uh, I think we knew it wasn't going to be 50%, but we had no idea that it would be only at 16. And uh, so we focus on producing plays written by women, primarily new work. And we also focus on plays that defy the stereotypes of what people think women are writing about. And so uh, we produce a lot of um, you know, science fiction or, you know, things about, you know, historical, whatever. The the things that women are interested in, which as you both know, is is a wide <laughs> breadth of things. Yes. <laughs> and so, and I think we we do that because I think that a lot of theaters tend to, when they produce plays by women, they want to, they want the kudos for producing a play by a woman. And so they want it to be about a woman's body or something that says, hey, look at us. A woman wrote this. Aren't you proud of us for doing it? So uh, that's that's Moxie in a nutshell. Our mission is creating more diverse images of women for our culture. And we're now in season 17. Wow. wow. 
So how do you go about choosing the plays that you produce each season? A number of things. So uh, I'm really lucky. I have uh, some agents who we've been sort of getting to know over the years who have an understanding of our taste and what we really like. And so I love getting an email from one of those people I know who are usually women and they say, hey, I've got this playwright. You're, this is so moxie. So I get a lot of plays directly from agents who know what we're looking for. Um, and also from playwrights, past playwrights that we produce who will meet other women and see their work and say, hey, I had my show done at Moxie. This is something that they would be interested in. And we love new work. We do a lot of world premieres and, and second productions. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, just scouring, scouring one of my favorite places to to look for new plays is on the Kilroy's list. Mm, so yes. Also sort of a cheat sheet for all the the hottest names. Do you have a theme each season or does it change or do you just put it like once I found like half of the sea a couple plays I know I want to do it'll give me a sense of like a theme that's coming together Mm -hmm. uh and then I'll you know decide between what's left on my you know favorites list based on that theme um but something that that I I'm the uh, artistic director now, but before me uh, was Delicia Turner Sonnenberg, who, like I said, started the company with me and then handed the reins to me a few years ago. Um, We both have a really deep appreciation for language. Uh, I'm really interested in creative use of language. Uh, I want to be challenged. Uh, I'm I'm not always looking for realism. I I love poetry and I love brave playwrights who aren't afraid to let their audience use their brain. Mm. Yes, here, here. So if someone wants to submit to you, do you have a submission process? You can submit on our website. There's not really a process. You can submit plays. And I try and read almost everything that comes to me. Oh my Um, gosh. Yeah. I have an associate artistic director who also reads alongside me. There are phases I go through where there's work that I know I'm not like we're taking, for example, right now, as I think about planning next season, I'm really looking for work that isn't focused on trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially amongst communities of women of color. um, That's just a a gift I would like to give to the artists that I'm hiring to work on our stage for a while. Like, let's, let's find some, some joy and uh, in our storytelling and, um, so, you know, there's, I go through phases where there are things, subjects that I'm like, okay, not, not this season. It's been a rough year. Our last season was hard. The, the submissions link is on our website, or you can submit to artistic at moxietheater.com. Oh my goodness. That is a gift. Being able to submit to a theater that has an open submission policy and doesn't go directly through an agent, because that can really be a hindrance for playwrights. So that is fabulous. Thank you for that. In regards to submissions, is it you're only looking for work written by women? Yes. Anyone who identifies as a woman, please submit. I do get a lot of a lot of plays from men who want to tell me about how many how many women are in the play. <laughs> and I'm like, what women have been in plays for a long time. This is not a challenge. <laughs> uh, so and by doing that, you know, it just helps us. It just helps, you know, it build. I think we're at what thirty. I think we're at thirty-two percent now of 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 plays getting produced are, are written by women. When we hit to when we hit fifty, maybe we'll we'll broaden the. Mm, <laughs> maybe Jen, you direct a lot of the plays too that are on Moxie's stage. How do you approach a text? I would say that I usually, once I know I'm going to direct something, I try and read it in the bath in one sitting um, because nobody, I have children and nobody bothers me in the bath. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) it's just a creative, it's really, I don't know, it's something about like being snuggled in warm water. It makes me feel really imaginative. And, um, And then I try, I try to think about big picture always first. If I had all the money in the world and all the, like, what's the Mm -hmm. wild the wildest production of this play I can imagine. And it's hard as a director, I'm always thinking as a producer, which is probably why I think about that. I'm If I'm going to direct it, I know I'm going to produce it too, which means mm-hmm. I also have to pay for it, um, which is why I try and think, you know, before I think about what we can afford, uh, how, how, 
how amazing could this be if we had all the resources? Um, and then I, it's hard. I'm also always in charge of a lot of the casting too. So I can't help automatically thinking there's always one person that pops into my head. Um, and then if I'm, if I'm falling in love with a play and I'm thinking I'm going to direct it and I am thinking about how an audience is going to feel about it, I will usually send it to somebody that um, one of the people that I trust and ask them to send me their first thoughts. Like, what hit you? What did you love? Or ask friends if they'll have lunch with me and read it aloud. I love hearing people who aren't actors read plays. It's such a gift. Uh, they don't layer any fancy stuff on there. You get to hear the playwright's real intention, just naked. Those are usually starting points for me if I know it's my project to direct. I love that. I love having non-actors read a script. Yeah, the player's intentions are so clear. You're like, oh, that line is so funny. Thank you for not for not trying with that line at all. Just give me their words. That's a good that's a good tip for all of us. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, for real. <laughs> so Jen, would you say that there's ever been a time where you've been looking at a script that where the playwright has written in? They've gotten so specific about what the stage looks like and all this stuff. Do you ever look at anything and go, mm, there's no budget to produce this? I mean, it doesn't sound like it because it sounds like your imagination just opens up uh, to possibilities. Or If it's unless it's number, I mean, the only thing we can't control is number of people. And mm -hmm. if it's like and it, so if there's, you know, if there's 20 people in your play it's probably moxie. We can't, we cannot put 20 people in a dressing room. Um, I'm like, we'll never say never. If I love your play. I'm probably going to try and figure out how to do it. But in terms of, uh, of limitations of, of our abilities, no, I think that I have discovered that at our size and in our small space, um, what we've discovered at moxie is that it's always the least expensive magic that wows the audience the most. So we did a production of Katori Hall's Our Lady of Cabejo, and there's a bed that has to elevate in the, in the air and break in half. And so I knew that it had been done with, uh, with like animatronics or whatever. It had had a whole mm -hmm. like the other production. We used magnets backstage through the flat and we physically lifted that bed and then we pulled the like the the brace out of the center of the bed it was collapsible and it collapsed and it was the cheapest trick ever and the audience every night would like leapt out of their seats because they were so close <laughs> and they never expected they just didn't expect it our size for something like that to happen and uh it's just some of the women that I've worked with. That was Angelica Infante, who was our technical director a lot of the time, but always our props master. And she was just a wizard. She moved out of San Diego, but she could make any magic happen, anything rain from the sky. Oh, wow. Now that sounds incredible. <laughs> How do you choose other directors for the theater? Because I know uh, Vanessa is directing Sapiens. Yep. Some of the times it's because I've seen their work somewhere, but because we're so focused on uh, producing new work, we're also really focused on being the place where people get their first their first start. So mm. I, I don't understand how it, getting hired as a director is like you have to already have been hired as a director to get hired as a director. Like when do you when do you start? And so a lot of the times, like with Vanessa, it's because of a relationship. There's several people every you know through the years who have made their their largest directorial debut at Moxie. And that comes from knowing an artist, having heard their ideas about plays, believing in their vision and, and creating a village around them to support them in, in that first directing project, making sure that they have access to what do you need help with? Or is voice and diction something you haven't learned to be, to pull out of your bag of tricks as a director? That's fine. We'll bring you in somebody who will sit with you and work with the cast on voice and diction. You can take notes and be like, great, I'm going to use this next mm. time. Um, you have access to, uh, I'm, I'm in rehearsals a lot of the time with Vanessa right now supporting because she stepped into one of the roles in the show. So being her eyes wow. on in the show and she's directing the show. But I think if you, if you, if I trust you as a person, I believe in your vision. I, I think that it's, 
you're not directing alone. I'm not going to show up on opening and see your work and then go, oh no, I shouldn't have hired you. The team is there all along the way. And the worst that can happen is that we discover that you have more to learn. You know, our audiences love us. And so if, if a show of ours isn't every cue isn't perfect or whatever, our audience doesn't complain. They're really there to see new work and they're excited to know that they're a part of launching a career. What a supportive, fantastic theater. I mean, this is like the dream theater to come into, not just to learn, but to be surrounded um, with love and experience from others. It's like everybody's kind of coming together. And that's like the true collaborative form. You know, I I just, I love everything you're saying. Do you think (laughs) that that, that, that that's the case? Because... Because is it is it all women like the, it's all women on the team? So do you think can you speak to that the the difference yeah. between mm. what what your theater is doing versus other other theaters? Yeah, I think some of it is definitely because it's all women on the team, and also because when we started, we each had to teach ourselves to do every single part of the work. So we were artists, we sort of knew how to do, we knew how to do that part, but we didn't know how to, you know, we didn't know everything about balance sheets and profit and loss statements and, and all, you know, getting our nonprofit status and all of those things. And we taught ourselves to do that. We taught ourselves to run the business. I'm still learning how to be an executive artistic director. I didn't, I studied acting. And so, uh, I think it's knowing that, that the process, the love and respect and nurturing that goes into the process that the audience can feel that mm-hmm. I really think that they can. And, and I'm, of course, I'm interested in the audience and what they have to think, but I really am interested in the, in the process just as much as I am the product. And I know everybody, everybody says that in rehearsals, but I'm just, I'm not making a lot of money doing this. And I'm never going to make a lot of money doing this. And so when I just put that aside, like, how do I want to spend my days? And Mm. I want to be in a tough rehearsal process, trying to figure it out with people I really respect who are trying to do their best work with all of their best intentions and bringing their heart to it, then be in the room with somebody who is already, who already knows what they're doing hundred percent and is a a jerk. Mm. I just don't have enough life to spend with, with people I don't like being around. (laughs) You know, I've often heard that because you've been on both sides of a casting table, right? You've been um, the actor and you've also been on the other side that, that half of it is the director or the casting director looking at the actor and going, do I, do I want to work with this person? (laughs) Do I want to spend a month? (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do I want to spend time with this person? And I think I just think we all have so we just all have so much capacity to learn if we're in an environment uh, where we can learn. And I think, unfortunately, we we have this idea of like the b- the born artist who's like innately born with talent and they're good or they're not good. And it's like the things that you're not good at, you, you can probably learn what you need to learn to get better mm-hmm. at them if you're in a place where people are willing to to help you. And so I, I don't know how there they'll and there won't be more women in the field rising to the heights that the women that we've, I mean, every two years, someone I worked with, I can't work with anymore. I can't afford them. They get Mm. stolen right out from under us off of our staff. That happens constantly. And every time I mourn it a little, and then I have to say, go sister, that's why you worked here. And now I can't afford you. And that's fine. I respect that. Keep me in your bio. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's a healthy attitude. And and coming from a place of love, which is everything that you've been talking about so far. I want to go. I want to go work at Boxy. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you know, it's like the place to be. <laughs> it is a very loving place to be. It's yes, true. I've seen so many wonderful, wonderful shows at Moxie. I am a fan. I I really do love love what you guys do there. Does the what does the future hold for Moxie? What what do the next ten years look like for for Moxie? So the next big step for us is uh, we're in the process of looking for a managing director right now. That's not a role that it's a, it's a new role to Moxie. I mean, obviously the founders handled 
all of the duties that a, a managing director would ha would handle, but somebody who wasn't one of the founders of the company. Um, and that will allow me to become just the artistic director, which I can't mm. even wrap my brain around. And the goal in that is, is for infrastructure growth and so that I can start focusing on expanding our programming, which I would love to do and haven't had the capacity to do. I have, in the process of starting Moxie, I got married and had two children in the last 17 years at the same time that I was starting the company. Um, so I feel like this is my year to put an A, capital A in my artist. And um, for Moxie to start having women who are in charge of like their, of their one job. And so we have a marketing manager now, a person who does marketing. This is not an actor who's doing marketing for us. <laughs> They're a marketing person. And so that it's the infrastructure growth, having people who are, you know, specialized in the field that they, you know, that's what they study. That's what they know. And, um, and to, to grow the number of productions we can do in a year. And we would like to expand the school of Moxie. I really would love to become a launch pad for women, not only in playwriting and in acting, but in design. We already are. We have uh, a lot of the time all, all women design teams, and we really prioritize that internally. Uh, whenever possible, women come hiring women first. Um, but I would like to start being a training ground for those people too. You want to learn how to build a set and you don't have the money to go to university and study scenic design, that shouldn't stop you from potentially pursuing that as a career. You, we can, mm. can bring people in. So I think education is a big area of growth. And then it's looking in the next 10 years um, for who will be the artistic director after me, Delicia oh, wow. and I and Joanne um, and Leave really firmly believed that leadership needs to turn over it needs to continue to turn over in an organization to keep to keep fresh, to keep your your finger on the pulse of what our community needs right now. And so I I always have my eye out looking for like who who's who's our next artistic director. Yeah. Oh wow. That's great. That's really awesome. Okay. I think uh, I think we're ready to do our asking for a friend. Do our asking for a friend. <laughs> no, this is just like a uh, these a question that we will also ask Vanessa because we're this is going to be a, a two for one. Um, so you you both will I'm sure have very different answers, but uh, but the same question. All right, all right, here we go. If you had your own late night talk show, who would you invite as your first guest? Tori Amos. Oh, oh you didn't pause. Nice. <laughs> oh, I love Tori Amos. Me too. <laughs> oh. Oh my God. Wow. Yes. Just for just because I just want a private concert again. Yes. Oh my again. again. No, I've never had I've never had a oh. private concert. Oh, oh. <laughs> seen her in concert many times. But I like I'm I'm going through a phase of like re-exploring my high school music love <gasps> and like re-loving Tori Amos right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Me too. And totally. I I I was I was the same thing. Yeah. I tried playing her for my 13-year-old, who I think was sort of intrigued, but also like, what's all the weird sounds she makes with her mouth? <laughs> um, like, that's where I love her. I think she is an artist who is appreciated visually too, because yeah. I know when I saw her play live and she was playing the piano and the organ simultaneously. Yes. <laughs> like, what? I trying to tell my daughter this and I'm like, and then she's like, over here and yeah, the you can't even imagine how magical she is like really really yes oh my goodness i know i know uh, oh okay boy. all right and now next up is the writing prompt do you have a writing prompt for our listeners okay so i this is a, a just like a um, inspiration hack that I learned about from this artist that I'm really um, obsessed with. Her name's Corita. I don't know if it's Corita Scott Kent. And she was a nun when she started painting and then she left uh, the order. Um, and she would teach her in her art classes, she would teach this trick where she um, would have her students take like a little um, little note card, like a little white flash card um, that had a little, you know, something you could cut a hole in and it wouldn't get too floppy. And she would have them cut like a little tiny 
window in the card. And then she would say, go always, always keep this card with you. And when you need inspiration, hold the card so you can see through the little frame and it will, you know, give you a a picture uh, or a window into, you know, uh, an image that's inspirational. And so um, I, I have kept a little card with me and I'll pull it out sometimes and it just eliminates all the noise and you see through it, you know, maybe a part of a room and a bit of a, of a chair and the foot of your spouse or whatever it is. And that <laughs> it just helps you focus. And it's such a cheap little trick that oh, I really love. My God, I love that. Hey, do you mind? Can you can you hold up because you have it? Can you do you do you have one? Is that what you were holding yeah. up? Can oh, this you- one is just like a regular note card, but I'm like, where do I ha-? like I have her, I have one that like came from her gallery. But basically like here let me get one of the ones in here so you want one that has a window in it yeah so yeah we can take a screen grab of it and we'll post it on the website yes i love this what a great oh my gosh that is that is so awesome Deborah eve thorne what does moxie have coming up we are doing the world premiere of uh, Diana Burbano's play *Sapiens*, and it runs on stage live February third through February twentieth. And we will be streaming a recording of the performance for anybody uh, on four nights that will be announced coming up later this week on our website for anybody who's not feeling comfortable going to live theater. Uh, and so uh, we're really excited about this play. It's it's so imaginative and deep and beautiful and full of hope and um, humanity. I can't wait. Love it. I'm so excited for that. Yay. Wonderful. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for sharing space with us today. It was just great to get an opportunity to learn more of Moxie's story and your story. And it was just delightful. And I'm, I'm so grateful for you spending the time with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Coming up next is our conversation with Vanessa Luron. So please stick around. Hey, Tori. Hey, Mabel. I am so excited for our guest today. She is a friend. She is a, she's one of the loveliest people that I know. She is, has super generous spirit, but she is also a multi-hyphenate. She is an actor. She is a director and she is a playwright. And today we are talking to Vanessa Duron. Welcome, Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Are you exhausted? I, I, I am exhausted, but you know, when you're like super exhausted that you're just like, I don't even feel it anymore, but I know that once things are over, you're just going to like, like I need a week of just sleeping. That's, yes. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. Okay. So tell us, why are you so exhausted? What is happening in your life that is, that is taking a toll on your energy? <laughs> well, I am currently directing Sapiens by Diana Burbano at Moxie oh. Theater, and I am also acting in it. Oh, my <laughs> oh, how did that happen? That is so exciting. It's exciting and very scary. I haven't been <laughs> on stage in a while, uh, so it's, it's, I was a little rusty in the area. Um, I, had, I had an actor drop out last minute uh, due, mm. you know, due to some personal stuff, so we, we searched and everyone I knew that would fit the role that would do justice to the role was either already cast in something or out of town until like a week before tech. And so, um, I was talked into playing the role (laughs) her name is Mary. And, um, yeah, so, so luckily it's not a super big role. It's a supporting role. So I had, I have that going. (laughs) Yeah, um, I would say it's a pretty substantial role. Though. I you, was gonna say so. Too. Can you can you um, give our listeners a little a basic uh, like rundown of what Sapiens is about? Oh man, what is it not about? Every time <laughs> I um, talk about the show and every time I, I watch it in rehearsals or anything like that, something new always comes up for me. Sapiens it, it features two characters that are on the neurodiverse spectrum. Um, and it's about how we communicate, how 
how neurodiverse people communicate. And it's it's really just about how we strive to to need to be understood. Um, you know, it's about compassion. It's about um, gosh, it's so much connection. It's about human connection and how how we all connect in a different way. We just need to be open about it. We just need to be be compassionate and and em- empathetic and understand that everyone communicates and connects in a different way. Yes, I love what you're saying about connection. I I think it's also about you know about other species other I can't talk other species too, right? And their connection to us and that deeper level of understanding. Oh my gosh. Wow. How did you start to approach this text? Because it is so deep and there's so many layers to it. Well, with fear first, (laughs) (laughs) a good healthy amount of fear though. Not like, you know, like I can't do this, but it was a, just a fear of wanting to, to, um, like bring justice to the words that are on this paper. Um, you know, l- luckily there are there are a lot of people around me that I trust, um, and so I was able to talk about how I felt about things that were going on in the play, um, and I just approached it as as someone who who on you know on a normal basis I do have trouble communicating, you know, and I'm neurotypical, you know, um, air quotes neurotypical, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I have trouble communicating and I have trouble meeting needs and, and getting my needs met and connecting, you know? So, so I first, I first took it in that approach. I approached it that way. Like, like, what do I need? How do I feel, you know, and, and how can I justify these characters on stage and not make them look silly or make them look, you know, like they don't matter. Um, and then I just started thinking and talking and researching um, on, on, you know, neurodiverse people and 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 even thinking in the realm of like, you know, deaf people and and, you know, people from from other countries, you know. So I just I just kind of started thinking about that and, and kind of like talking to people who, you know, have have difficulty communicating or, or feel like they're not heard. And and I just went to town. <laughs> and I picked actors who understood it. <laughs> so, so luckily, you know, we, we have great actors. They're amazing. And they, they bring these characters to life and you fall in love with every character on that stage. Mm. It's amazing. It's, it is a beautiful play. So yeah. we got to hear it um, initially at the Latinx new play festival. Was it in 2020? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which wasn't that long ago, but it doesn't it feel like, like a long like time like ago. <laughs> yeah. It definitely it feels like pause. <laughs> yeah. A year of pause that felt like a decade of pause, but uh, what kinds of challenges have you um, encountered while doing this? Whether you being like, whether you, it's wearing your director's hat or wearing your actor's hat. So, I mean, it, it's so hard, right? It's like, it's kind of like, I I describe it like, you know, when, when we speak Spanish and then have to switch to English and then mm. have to switch to Spanish, you know, mm-hmm. how your brain has to switch. And it's such a hard thing for to do it like right away. Like I don't have, you know, you don't have time to think about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I I need to, to see the full, as a director, I have to see the full world and, and um, justify the characters. Um, you know, actions and justify the things that are going on in the world. But as the character, I could, I only have to justify mine and not think about what other people's, um, mm. you know, biggest uh, want is. I have to think about only my want. And so it's really hard, uh, at least for me, to get on stage and suddenly turn off my feelings towards every single character and now only have to worry about Miri and what she wants and what she needs to accomplish and what she needs to get. And, and I, 
I would get on when I first started and I would be like, no, wait, but, but if I do this, because this character doesn't like, you know, I was thinking about the world <laughs> instead of the character. So I had to switch my brain all the time. And, and not just that, but physically I would like <laughs> jump on stage, do my thing. <laughs> Everyone thought, wait, hold on, hold, wait, it doesn't feel right. Jump back off stage, look at the lights, you know? And it was like <laughs> hectic. So luckily I had second pair of eyes. And, mm. and we, we ironed things out and, you know, we did it. And, and it's someone that I trusted um, who was able to not mess with the vision I had for the play. Oh, that's wow. so important. Yes. It, now, you're a playwright as well. So how do you feel that your, um, your playwriting tools informed how you chose to direct this piece? I, because I'm a playwright, I'm very, very big on honoring what the playwright wants for this world. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very wary about changing anything that's in the script. Um, luckily, Diana Budwano is so easy and pleasant and easy to work with. So if I had a question, she was like right at my fingertips and I can just, you know, um, ask her but but I think the biggest the biggest thing for me is that I know that if if somebody changed something that I felt was major in the play it would hurt my soul mm -hmm. uh, so I'm very careful with with the wants of the playwright so you mentioned Diana oh my goodness how exciting D did she so you said she was at your fingertips. So how how involved was she with this production? Well, she was there for auditions, so she got to see who I cast and and you know we we had discussions on on you know if if we thought, you know, the the actor was right and luckily she was like I love them and I was like, "Yeah, you do." <laughs> so so yeah and you know also just like any question like if there was something that I just couldn't understand or couldn't grasp um or or the actor couldn't understand you know we all I had to do was email her and ask mm -hmm. her I don't quite understand this there's even like a part where I asked her if she could change the line <laughs> because it didn't match something that our character a physical trait of our character uh, because we had two actors drop out, one dropped out and, um, you know, I had to get, <laughs> I had to get a new actor, but, um, the description did not match what it said in the line. And I emailed her and I was like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, Oh no, totally cool. Change the line. And I was like, I love her. So this is a co-production, right? So Moxie paired up with Duyo Theater. Um, I believe this is the second time. Um, I, you're familiar with Duyo Theater. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about Tuyo Theater? <laughs> is um, a theater ran by Hispanic folks, and we uh, <laughs> and we, we do Latin work, and is very community based, and it's an amazing group of people that we are just trying to uh, put our people up there in a very honorable way and just keep our culture going. Yes, absolutely. And uh, full disclosure, I am a member of <laughs> Tuyo Theater. <laughs> and Vanessa, we are colleagues in the Paletras Tuyo Playwriting Workshop. So yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but okay, so Vanessa, why is, why is this piece important? I would love for you to address all aspects of why th this piece is important. So not like, but like the, the, from neurodiversity to the, the Latinx experience, like all of those things, like why oh, yeah. do we need to see this, this piece on stage right now? Oh yeah. Well, first of all, uh, neurodiversity is such a taboo subject in our culture. Um, so to see people that look like us struggle with neurodiverse issues, neurodiverse um, topics is very important. Um, you know, I'm a big advocate of, of not, not just putting our people up on stage because it's a story of oppression, you know, um, but putting our people up on stage that are 
are going through the same things that, you know, white people go through mental illness, neurodiversity, um, you know, feeling sad, being married, you know? Um, and, and I think, I think it's also important to see our people in successful roles. So we have a Latinx scientist, you know, um, and we have, you know, these relationships that are, are so normal that are not based on oppression. So I think, I think that's, that's one of the important things. This is one of the reasons that I, I love this place because it's not just like, Hey, you know, you're Latinx and you are oppressed. It's like, no, you, you have, you are a neurodiverse individual and that, yeah. that's all it is. You just yeah. happen to be Latinx, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's also important because it, it shows like how neurotypical people feel that neurodiverse people can't connect or don't want to connect. And that's not the case because neurodiverse people connect, they just connect in a different way. And it's up to us who are neurotypical to get out of our little bubble and realize that, you know, um, communication is so important you know, uh, to be able to communicate your needs and your wants, um, in a place that is safe is really important. And so I think that this relationship, I don't want to give too much away, but the relationship between Wookie and AJ in the play is so important because it showcases how, when you just accept someone for who they fully are and, and meet them, meet them where they need, a beautiful relationship forms, you know? Um, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful relationship. Mm. And, you know, I think just that's like, my favorite relationship in the play. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Such a warm relationship, you know, but, mm-hmm. but what is so non non-judgmental of everyone, you know? And if us as human beings were, were that open and that, you know, and we just embrace every difference, I think communication and connection would be possible. That's awesome. That was a lot. (laughs) No, that was lovely. Vanessa, you started working, though, with Moxie Theater prior to this engagement as director, right? Can you talk about how you came to be involved with Moxie? Sure. So I was the assistant director for Fate, uh, which was a, another Tuyo production. And oh. that's how I met Moxie. And, uh, that was Tanya Saracho, no? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Tanya Saracho. Nice. Tanya Saracho. Another, another Latinx playwright. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I have to say about Jen Thorne, who's our artistic director, is she's really big on wanting to put POC on that stage. P- women POC. So that, that's something that I'm really proud of to be a part of. But so, yeah, so position opened up uh, like a couple months later. It was a box office position. And I was like, I mean, I guess I need a job. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and they were like, oh, yeah, we know you. We liked working with you. Sure. Here you go. <laughs> and so now I am the director of box office and sales there, which is my other hat that I wear there. And, um, you know, it's five women who run this company, y'all. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so so you wear different hats, you know, in that company. And um, that I've been there, what, two and a half going on three years, I think. So, <gasps> wow. Yeah, so I've been, I've been there a, a good amount of time with these amazing women. Um, and it's been one of, it's been honestly the best place I've worked at. To, to be surrounded by women, you know, to be on a conference call and see these women that all of a sudden their kids pop their heads in, like, what's up? You know, it's, it allows you to be a woman, mm. period, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're so supportive. Yeah. So, so I'm there. And, and, you know, Jen was like, well, I know that, that you like to do this. So here, uh, do this. <laughs> And I was like, are you sure? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. So here I am. Yay, that's fantastic. conversation we had. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. That's amazing. 
but you are a gift to Boxie, I would say. Aww, I guess I, I guess I guess it goes both ways. So just yeah. as they are they are a pleasure to work with, you are a gift to them. So um, can we talk a little bit about the the production? Um, so I know that that it it you know deals with neurodiversity. So has Moxie made any arrangements for for the performances to address neurodiverse audiences? Any anything like that? Oh yeah, definitely. Every single showing of the show will be sensory friendly. So we uh, we got an uh, inclusion specialist, Sam Jin, um, and who has worked with neurodiverse people for over twenty, like twenty years. I think something ridiculous like that. That I'm like, dang girl, but she's <laughs> amazing. Uh, so, you know, she she was there whenever uh, I, there was like a loud sound or something, anything that she felt would would make someone uncomfortable in a theater. Um, so we have a cue light that cues those sounds. Uh, we made sure that there was no like strobe lights coming through, that everything was like a gentle, soft light that, that you know, wasn't jarring. Um, there's an announcement at the beginning of the show that it is okay to get up and walk out if you need a breather. Um, you know, because theater etiquette nowadays means you have to be s silent and sit there, which I completely disagree with. Um, and I, I honestly think it's like, it's also, also culturally based, I think, because when I'm in a theater with a bunch of like my people, it's loud in there, you know? And I think that's like the best reaction. But then, you know, there are some people that's not their jam and that's cool, but it shouldn't be an all across the board etiquette. So we make sure that we we are inviting and we we are telling people, if you need to get up, do not be afraid to cross cross the stage. That's fine you know, um, walk out, you know, we're not saying you got to be super loud, you know, we're also like making sure that we tell people there, there will be no shushing, you know, somebody mm -hmm. has a reaction. Let that be the reaction. Theater should be for everyone, no matter who you are, you know? Mm. Um, and so there's, there's those, you know, we, we have lights in the aisles in case, so we don't have to have all the lights off. Um, we have a little area called the Zen Den where people can go into the breathers. And um, there's just so much. We're going to have discussions after some of the shows and uh, little things in the lobby that kind of educate, you know, people and resources and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, we, we made sure that we, we want it to be an experience from the moment you walk in. That is amazing. I love that. When are we going, Mabel? <laughs> Um, <laughs> Sunday, Friday, Friday, Sunday. <laughs> yeah. I want to come and see. Oh, we're going. And support. Yeah. Vanessa oh has my already gosh. told me. I'm excited to see you come back to the stage, too. You said you took uh, a hiatus, right? A very long hiatus. I think, like, um, <laughs> I just started doing, like, you know, like, producing and, and like, assistant directing and, and directing and, and I just like fell in love with it, you know? Um, so I put that to the side and, and it's so hard for a Latinx woman to get parts in San Diego, which you would think it's not, but it is, you know, I am too white to be Mexican and too Mexican to be white. So it's kind of, it, it was like a little hard, you know, and a little discouraging, but um, I think the face of theater is starting to change. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, besides performing at the San Diego County Fair, <laughs> um, that was all I did. Really, it's been it's been years. I think the last full show that I did was, uh, what was it? Oh, last days of Judas um, Iscariot at Tenth Avenue, which was so long ago. Um, I want to say like four years ago. So it's wow. been four years since I've done anything that resembles acting. <laughs> wow. And so do you are do you lean towards a, a, a do you have a preference for uh one of the disciplines? What do you love more if you can if you can pick? Yeah. I get to ask this question a lot. And I always have the same answer. It's like having children. You know, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, it, no, it really is. Like, like you love them 
for different reasons. Yeah. You know, um, I, I mean, I came to theater via acting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was my first love. And, and um, but I think that what it fulfilled in the beginning, it was, I, I didn't need that space in my heart fulfilled anymore. So I needed to find something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I just needed to take a break from it. And I've actually been having a lot of fun. Don't, don't tell anyone, but I've been having a lot of fun on stage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, I love acting. I love, I love the ability to like be in a different world and just be someone else, you know? Um, but I also love creating a world, Mm. you know, and, and watching an actor on stage and saying, damn, dude, I had a little hand in that, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I love them both. They're both near to my heart, just like playwriting. Like you can, I can't like, I can't pick, you know? So that's why I do them. Um, and, and like that famous commercial, you know, there you go. There you go. (laughs) Why limit? I love it. I love it. That's awesome. It's like a, it's like a, a plate of, Entilas divorciados, no? <laughs> no, no, I want it all. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. All right, Vanessa, we have now come to the part in the show where we ask the asking for a friend. So this is like, Ooh, a, so a should I be scared? Uh, <laughs> should I be scared? Maybe. Maybe no, not. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty. It's a pretty good one. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go. Vanessa, if you had your own late night talk show, who would you invite as your first guest? Does it have to be someone famous? No, it could be whoever. Okay. It's your talk show. Oh, it's my talk show. I could do whatever the hell I want. Who would I invite Mm -hmm. as my first guest? Damn, that's a good one. I think, to be honest, I would probably invite my grandma. <gasps> I would be like, throw down all those recipes that you didn't want. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, I think I, that's my answer. Final answer. <laughs> I love mm. it. I love it. Oh, my gosh. The minute she said that, I started thinking about my grandma. You know, I just think <laughs> it's my grandma is a beautiful person. I just, I would just love to know like how she kept her shit together. Mm. <laughs> like, how were you always just so like patient with me? Because you, <laughs> you raised me, and I would have lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's awesome! Give it up for the grandmas, everybody! Give it up for the grandmas. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Who would be your first? Your first guest. Well, now oh, that no, you said no, no. grandma, now that you said grandma, I'm like, yeah, my grandma would be would be really would be really good. We should just like put all our grandmas together and see what happens. Yeah. That my, gra- my grandma that would show up so with a martini fun. in hand. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Yours too? I a grandma. <laughs> my grandma was a barmaid. Well, that was one of them. You know, when I, I'm thinking of my paternal grandma. Yeah. yeah. She totally would have. <laughs> She would have made the drinks, okay? She would have made your grandma's made martini. My grandma's martini. <laughs> you know, my grandma Love would have it. made like the the food for when we were like all hung over. Excellent. Love it. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh my goodness. <sighs> That's a good one. All right, Vanessa, do you have a writing prompt for our listeners? Ooh, a writing prompt for our listeners. Since we're talking about communication and connection, what does communication mean to you and how can we use it to make a deeper connection? Ooh, that is a great. That's one I would sit with. Yeah. 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 I love that. Great. (laughs) See, I can be deep sometimes. (laughs) More than you know. More than you know. (laughs) 
Fantastic. <laughs> All right, Vanessa, Sapiens runs until when? And runs through February 20th. We also have four virtual showings. Nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And you can get all that information at www.moxytheater.com. Excellent. <laughs> and where can people find you if you want to be found? If I want to be found. I mean, I, I guess I want to be found if it's someone that's rich and famous. <laughs> I welcome everyone. Um, my Instagram handle is VDURON1127. Um, and. You know, Facebook is just Vanessa Duron. Excellent. All right, Vanessa. Yes. It has been it has been a pleasure speaking with you and getting to know you a little better. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for joining us today. It's been so much fun. We're so excited to to see your work, to see you up on stage, and um, we're we're definitely going to go to the show. So we'll we'll be we'll be seeing you at the theater. Yeah, you will. <laughs> thank you vanessa thank you. you i really enjoyed talking with jen and vanessa i just think that what moxie theater is doing is just so important so i'm grateful that san diego has this theater as part of the artistic community here and it's such an important place for like she said you know it's a it's a good training ground for people who want to you know, learn their craft. And, and so, so everyone support Moxie theater, go check out sapiens, um, get on their mailing list, follow them on social media because, um, we need more of that in the world. And, uh, so that's great. So, uh, we have some other theater coming up, right, Tori? Yes. As a matter of fact, tomorrow we are going to be going to see Admissions by Josh Harmon. That is at the Onstage Playhouse in Chula Vista. So that is exciting. We'll be going to see that. Um, our friend of the podcast and friend IRL, Tom Stewart, <laughs> plays one of the characters in that play, as well as Wendy Waddell, who is a... Uh, a local favorite actress as well, and also a friend. Hello, NYU <laughs> alum, if I may. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So I, I'm excited that we're going to be going to see that. And I'm also hoping to catch the um, online version of Herbert Sequenza's Weekend yeah. with Pablo Picasso, because I think that online, I think it ends February 6th, so... I really want to make sure that I get to see that before it's gone. I know you said it was a beautiful piece of wow. theater. So yeah. Yeah. And one last plug, Tom Stewart, who has, um, it, who had put together the curated monologues for space force quarantine, <laughs> you and, and a certain uh, set of podcasters, <laughs> namely me and Mabel were a, part, were a part of that and he has put all of them together so that you can watch them back to back which is super cool and we'll put a link to that as well in the show notes oh my goodness <laughs> Mabel I love your monologue for that it is oh jeez. So yeah. oh jeez. So thank you, Tom, for that opportunity. We really appreciate it. And it was really fun. It was, it was really, really fun. fun. It was fun and challenging and all the things. Um, all right. So until next time, everyone, if you're if you're still listening, please uh, do us a favor and give us a five-star review or g give us a review <laughs> like, wherever you're listening. Um, it does mean a lot. So yeah, I think we have 14 ratings right now. It would be awesome to get up to 15. 15. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Cool, cool. Okay. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.